Hello and welcome to the ICE Tech Talks podcast, part of the ICE's CPD program. I'm Mark Hansford, Director of Engineering Knowledge here at the ICE. In this episode, we are looking at the Swiss cheese model of risk management and what role it can play for teams involved in complex infrastructure projects. The model was one of the recommendations that came out of the ICE's In Plain Sight report as something that could help avoid catastrophic failures and improve project outcomes. To explore this topic today, I have two great guests joining me, Peter Hansford, former president of the ICE, and Martin Johnson, Process Safety Engineering Manager at BP. So let's start by introducing our guest. Peter, do you want to say hello and say a little bit about yourself? Yeah, hi. So I'm Peter Hansford, um, no relation to Mark Hansford, and um, I'm a civil engineer uh, and a past president of the ICE. Um, I had three years as uh, the government chief construction advisor, and I'm now an honorary professor at UCL, where I assist them with um, construction and infrastructure policy matters. Back in 2017, uh, immediately after the Grenfell fire, Grenfell Tower fire, uh, the ICE decided to look at risks to infrastructure and uh, I was appointed to head a panel to look at these areas and we came up with a report uh, which is called In Plain Sight. Perhaps a little bit more of that later on. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Peter. Always a pleasure. Um, Martin, um, really glad you can join us today as, as someone from the adjacent profession in mechanical engineering. So it's always great to be um, inclusive. So um, Martin. Absolutely. Martin Johnson. Uh, I lead the process safety engineering team in BP Central Area Engineering Department. Um, BP for 20 years, 10 years with Shell International before that, all in oil and gas. Um, moving rapidly into the energy transformation. My team's working on hydrogen and carbon dioxide and, and then batteries and battery fires and lots of new interesting areas. So uh, always something to keep us uh, interested. On the risk side and, and Swiss cheese models and, and hazards, uh, I led the and set up the risk process for BP upstream in 2010, um, held that role for three or four years, um, looking at all the major accident hazards for operational assets in, in BP upstream and then went around the world talking to our senior leaders about how they were managing their risks and what we can do to, to mitigate those risks. Um, I also was involved with the CCPS and Energy Institute in writing a book on bow ties. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Martin. We clearly do have the right person in the room, which is fantastic. Thank you for joining us. And, and I think, you know, as we move to decarbonize our energy industry, I think the um, civil and mechanical engineering world is going to be coming ever closer together. So, uh, Absolutely. Um, so it is great to have you with us. So, so Peter, do you want to, you've already touched on... Um, fact that you were instrumental in the in plain sight report do you want to just say a little bit more about that and also i guess how you landed on recommending the swiss cheese model in particular sure um thank you so as i said uh, immediately after grenville fire it was thought sensible for the in the institution of civil engineers to look at what could be our grenville you know, what could happen in infrastructure and were we as a profession prepared um, to prevent it or at least reduce the risk of it happening? So I was asked to head up a panel um, to explore all of this. Uh, quite an interesting panel of people. 
Uh, I won't go through the panel members' names now. And um, we debated all these issues, and we came up with uh, the need for a model to really illustrate our thinking. And the model that we came up with was the Swiss cheese model, not original. Um, and uh, I'm sure we'll hear more about the origins of that model a little bit later on. But for us, it seemed to be a good way of showing the lines of defence against a failure, uh, in our case, an infrastructure failure, um, and how, by having multiple lines of defence, provided they don't have a common failure mode, so they come from different failure modes, multiple lines of defence uh, would go a long way to reducing the risk of a failure. I might just say one other thing, actually, at this point, um, because it's slightly odd or slightly enigmatic why we called our work in plain sight. Uh, the view we had as a panel was none of these risks were new. They were all out there uh, staring us in the face, uh, if you like, in plain sight. And it was a question of highlighting them, perhaps putting a, a spotlight on them, and identifying uh, what the risks might be and how we could, uh, as a profession, work to ensure that they were mitigated. No, brilliant. Thank you, Peter. And, and, and I think that um, is useful um, additional sort of context on, the, on in place site, because as you say, many of the risks we, we talk about and face, are, they are known risks. Um, so, but as you as you also say the Swiss cheese model is is not um, was not invented by ICE, but quite a new concept to civil engineers and civil engineering. I, I think at that time of, of writing in plain sight. So, Martin, um, as a, as a as a risk practitioner expert, did we land on the right thing? You know, how, tell us a little bit about the, the sort of the, the genesis of of the Swiss cheese model and how it can be applied in an engineering context. Absolutely. So I think we have to. St- Thank uh, Dr. James Reason as the author of the Swiss cheese model. And uh, sometimes you'll see that with a little credit to, to Dr. Dr. Reason. Um, he's written a few, quite a few books. He's an expert in aviation safety and human error. And he actually has a book called Human Error, now 30 years old, but still a very good read. If you look at many, many incidents, it, it can nearly always be traced back back to the human. It, it might have been a hardware failure, but but the human was undoubtedly involved in that somewhere in the design process or not uh, maintaining the condition of the piece of equipment. So it, it's very rare that it purely comes down to a piece of hardware failure. So uh, certainly another area to look at when we build these these Swiss cheese models about how, how does a human interact with that uh, in addition to looking at what we maybe describe as some hardware barriers or, or layers of protection. We uh, now move on to you know, the origins and, and the basis of the Swiss cheese model. So uh, I think that step number one is is defining your problem. So what are, what are we trying to prevent? What is what is the, sometimes in, in other models, we call it the top event. What's the major thing you're trying to prevent? So is it, you know, is it the bridge collapse or on, on a more detailed question, is it perhaps, you know, a corrosion failure? So then you would start to look in to, 
you know what what do we have out there to prevent the corrosion so uh, i think that's that's step one is is defining the bad outcome uh, and the next step would be right at the front would be to decide what could cause that failure so so what are your threats um so you'll you'll pick a threat to that and and then we're on to as, as peter was talking about you know what are our lines of defense and, and those would be our slices of cheese and as with anything nothing is perfect in terms of of lines of defense so in in my world of process safety and, and oil and gas you know loss of containment of the the oil and gas you we have a pressure relief valve they're not perfect you know they have a failure likelihood uh, and we do things to prevent and reduce that failure likelihood we design them correctly we test them at a certain interval uh, we inspect them sometimes if it's a connected relief system we can work out if the relief valve has been lifted because we've got some flow on the other side of the relief valve so there's a number of things we can do to to ensure that that line of defense is is operable and in a civil engineering context there are obviously obvious parallels there aren't there as, as you say you know if it's a if it's a bridge you can you can inspect the bridge you can test components in the bridge you can if it's if we're talking about um bearings or or cables in a in a suspension bridge you know you can uh, you can monitor there's a, there are a number of different lines which are all picking up slightly different things so i guess they are different slices of cheese in the swiss cheese way of thinking about things absolutely and uh, so i think what you're talking about there is the operational phase i think we should also think we can use this in the design phase so when you're designing you know again what are your layers of protection to to actually get the the final construction the product the the construction to to a good state and you could then think carefully about which of these is dominant which requires more effort and, and attention uh which may be less so or maybe it flags out some some less obvious barriers layers of protection that you maybe haven't thought of and, and then requires attention during the design phase and then you could draw and, and construct a different uh swiss cheese model for the operations phase so it's again you know, setting out at the beginning, what what are you trying to achieve? So, so again, in a civil engineering context, I guess that's, that's follow the codes when it comes to designing, follow the standards. It's have your design checked. I think there's a step before that. Uh, I mean, I think the first thing, and I think this is generic to all industries, is knowing the asset condition. With existing infrastructure, um, often... Certainly in, in a civil engineering context, often insufficient is known about the existing asset. Um, so maximum amount of asset condition data, I think, is a, a good starting point. Uh, and we, we, we had asset condition data as our first line of defense, our first slice, if you like, in the Swiss cheese. And a second one would be learning from other incidents and uh, and accidents, you know, incident reporting and, and dissemination of that learning. There's a lot of learning out there. There's a lot of information out there, but how well is it disseminated and how well do does our membership know about the causes of previous failures and again i think that's um that's not peculiar to civil engineering and, and infrastructure i think it's very much the case with aviation 
It's very much the case with chemical engineering. Yeah, no, no absolutely, Peter. And Martin, I mean, I, those, those are, would you sort of identify with, with those, um, those, those sort of lines of defense as well? I would if if you're looking very holistically at it. I, I think it's back to what is your your model trying to achieve. I, I think with Grenfell you were looking at a very high level, at a at a kind of system level about you know how do engineers look at this problem, um, and that's great. Conversely, you know if you're looking at a very specific thing like corrosion, what would be your your layers of prevention there? So I would say you know material selection would be one. Uh, the next would be a coating system. You're, you're painting up on that, and then inspection would would be another one. So you would have three quite simple slices of cheese, and and then you might, you know, if you wanted to develop the model a little more, you, you might think about the difference between the barrier effectiveness. So I would maybe describe that as as the thickness of the piece of cheese. You know, is it, you know, if you've got material selection, if if you choose a corrosion resistant alloy that's suitable and not going to be corroded in, in the environment. So not just stainless steel, but one that's suitable maybe for, for a marine environment that needs to be a high quality stainless steel, that's going to be a pretty good barrier and, and you might not need a, a coating system at all. Whereas painting systems, um, I think all of us know that, that coating systems, they, they break down and fail. Um, and therefore that's probably not such a, a thick slice of cheese. But even then that you might come back and say, well, we can't afford stainless steel. So we're, we're going to use a a carbon steel where we need a coating system, but but can we improve that slice of cheese? Can we make that thicker? You know, if you go to the, the fourth bridge, they used to paint that and it was an ongoing problem forever. And finally, they had a company that had offshore experience come in and did all the proper things. They really dug into that about surface preparation, about getting a dry surface and then and having a coating. I mean, offshore, we use thermally sprayed aluminium on coating surfaces. That, that's got a much longer survivability for it. And, and then the inspection program, you know, how could you inspect that? Bridge structures are notoriously difficult because of access to it, to inspect that properly. So, you know, does that go back all the way to if you were doing this Swiss cheese model in the design phase, that would be a barrier, would be your inspection, as, as Peter said. But but how do you make your bridge accessible that, that then people are more willing to do it because it's less of a cost, you know, particularly if it's local authorities who are tight on budgets. Um, you know, if you come to a much lower bill for inspecting the structure, then it's less likely to get cut and, and, and you, you'll maintain that barrier. So that's sort of useful insight you can get by actually building that model and, and then sitting around the table with a group of people and knowledgeable people. And I think that's where a huge amount of value is. It, it's not the engineer sitting there on their own and squirreling away and producing a little PowerPoint. It, great, do that for the initial discussion, but get the right people around the table and have those valuable conversations about, now we've identified this hazard and this risk, what, what more can we do? How can we improve this? Where, as Peter says, previous incidents, where, where does people, what about that incident where that, that didn't work? What, what could we do in the future to improve that and, and reduce these risks? So this sort of, um, what I think you're, you're driving at here, Martin, is this sort of leads a mindset, you know, a way of thinking about the particular asset that we've got and what could go wrong with it and and uh, and how we could prevent that and one of the things we looked at as uh, as a panel was not just these sort of physical barriers but also sort of institutional barriers and professional uh well not barriers but let's call them lines of defense hmm. for example cpd 
you know, ensuring that people have, uh, all of our members are up to date with their professional development in the area that's relevant to their work. That is a line of defence. Another one would be codes of professional conduct and ensuring that professional engineers follow those codes of professional conduct. Again, these all add up to reducing the risks of things going wrong. So, so we have, therefore, a very large range. We have very holistic um, lines of defence, as you've just outlined there, Peter, coming down to some very kind of um, specific to a, to a specific piece of infrastructure or small component part of a piece of infrastructure, as, as Martin was you were talking about there, Martin. Sounds to me, then, that the, the session where all the all those different lines of defense are brought out onto onto the table is quite a crucial part if you're going to use the swiss cheese model to sort of understand you know where are your lines of defense where are they strongest where are they weakest so is there i mean i guess you you must do this uh, martin how how does a session like that happen i mean who's who's key to making a session like that work and sort of bringing all the all those kind of lines of defense out onto the table I, I think that's very much going to depend on your organization. I, I work for a very large organization and, and we have dedicated risk engineers um, who can help us in that role. And generally they, they'll do that role for maybe three years and they've come from uh, another role. They'll be trained up in that area and, and they'll rotate out. A, a smaller organization, clearly you won't have a dedicated person. But I think the beauty of the Swiss cheese model is it, it's very simple. You know, define what you're trying to prevent. Do, to find at the front end the, the threats that, that might cause this big event from coming and think about the, the layers of defense, the, the barriers that, that are going to prevent it and, and put them in there. So, you know, it's it's an ideal, you know, whiteboard or quick PowerPoint presentation or just just write it down. Don't don't make it doesn't need to be fancy, doesn't need to be pretty. Um, because what happens then is is getting those right people in the room and then having that discussion. And at the end of that discussion, you know, recording some actions about things you're going to do to reduce that risk. You know, don't just talk about it. Actually think about the valuable things you're going to do and, and, and you know, maybe grade those or rank those so so you have a bit of focus of our time. We're all busy people and there's only a limited amount we can do. So, you know, think about which of those is, is the most impactful, which I guess come back to my point about, you know, the barrier effectiveness, your, your perhaps your, your thickness of your slice of cheese. And then Peter's really important point about the condition, about inspecting it. And, and, and those, you could perhaps describe those as the holes. You know, some of those barriers, in, all barriers inherently have some holes, but over time, many of these layers of protection, they degrade. And maybe we could describe that as more holes growing or the holes getting bigger. You know, some of the models describe eventually the holes lining up. Uh, and that's where the, the incident can happen. Um, that's one visualization. I, I think you could also think about, you know, the, the the threat coming wheedling through the holes. They don't necessarily need to be aligned. The, just the more holes you have, and the bigger they are, the, the more chance they have of actually getting through to the event. Yeah, thanks, Martin. I, I think that's such an important point about this being an accessible model for you know all involved in designing, building, maintaining, operating a piece of infrastructure, big or small. And you know, we have many members who are clearly working on some very big pieces of infrastructure. But we have many members working on much smaller pieces of infrastructure, and and so that that's a really important point. And I suppose also, I mean, so its accessibility is is a good thing. 
Um, but if we sort of flip that question a bit, what, what are the things to watch out for in a model? What, what, can, what can be missed if you don't use it carefully? I think the biggest one is it's probably visualization. If 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 you put everything into the Swiss cheese model, and I've seen some of these with with thirty layers of protection, uh, I think if you then present that to the to the asset owner or the operator, they could very easily get a false sense of security. You know, I don't really need to worry about that. There's there's twenty twenty nine other layers of protection, so you can go to a rigorous level, um, particularly if you focus on on hardware systems. And, and you could define three rules for, for each of those. Certainly on the prevention side, are each of the barriers independent of each other would be test number one. The next is, is each barrier what we describe as fully functional? Can it in itself completely prevent that, that threat from, from occurring? Uh, and the final one would be auditable. So inspectable, checkable. It, it's, it's no good having a barrier if, if into the operations phase, you can never actually verify that it's performing as intended. So if you work really hard at those three rules, you really start knocking down the, the number of barriers. And that's not to say you shouldn't create a, a model with, with lots and lots of things. That's a great sort of brainstorming. But if you want to a rigorous model um, describing, so again, you know, in, in my world of pressure containing systems, you know, you would have the the control system to to maintain the, the system at the right pressure, you would have an alarm if an operator, it was a safety-related alarm. The, the next layer would be safety instrumented systems, so a separate instrumented control system, um, IEC regulated. And the final one would be your pressure relief valve. And, and you've really only got those four, four layers of protection, and, and you can very much focus into there. You know, back to Peter's point about competence and training and, and professional standards, that's, that's again, you could put those in as barriers. The other way of looking at it, the way we do that in BP is, is we have Swiss cheese models or develop those into bow ties very much on a hardware related aspect. Those softer sides, we then have an operating management system. And I would almost describe those as sort of horizontal lines underneath that affect all of those barriers. You know, whether it's the design of, or the, the testing of the relief valve or looking at the operator responding to an alarm and calibrating the alarm, all of those involve protectional competence and training and verification that, that somebody can, can do that task uh, and check they're doing that. Um, it, it depends how you're trying to use this model. Um, that's the way we would do it is, is more a hardware related model and have an operating management system as a, as a complete other system. Yeah, no, thank, thank you, Martin. I mean, I suppose, Peter, I mean, it's just an interesting point, isn't it? When you were producing in plain sight and I guess visualizing how this this model feeds into the that general assurance that our infrastructure is safe. I mean, how, you know, how how were you envisaging uh, an average civil engineer using the model? Well, I think we were a bit cautious about not being specific on a particular type of infrastructure. I mean, civil engineering is such a broad church; it's such a broad area. I mean, are we looking at? The failure of a bridge are we looking at the failure of a reservoir are we looking at the failure of a railway and we wanted to encompass all of this and consequently we needed to be a bit generic so some of these softer areas as martin describes them we thought were rather important and also we were looking at 
what can we as a institution, what can the institution of civil engineers do to improve the safety of our industry? So, yes, of course, there's all of the hard technical areas of uh, reduction of risk on a particular asset. But we were looking, uh, in addition to those, at this, the more systemic areas. And as, uh, as Martin describes them, perhaps additional layers of cheese, um, some at the beginning uh, in the form of training and CPD and competence of uh, people who are working in the industry, and some perhaps more at the end in the way of assurance, governance, um, we actually also added a rather specific one of cybersecurity, which I think uh, increasingly affects us all uh, in every form of, of engineering, every form of infrastructure. And that in itself is a layer of, of defence, a, a line of defence in the Swiss cheese model. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you, Peter. So, um, you, you, I mean, you've touched on it very, or just a moment ago, Martin. Um, Swiss cheese is, of course, as we've been discussing, a, a very useful tool. Other tools are available. Um, I mean, Martin, in your kind of expertise, knowledge, you know, you mentioned it there, the bow tie model, um, that and others. How do they kind of add to the add to this kind of understanding of risk? Yeah, but uh, before we move on to bow ties, I, I maybe just expand what you can do additionally with the Swiss cheese model. Yeah, please. I think we've talked about defining the, the 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 bad outcome, the top event that we want to prevent, whether that's the bridge collapse um, and the threats to cause that. Uh, and, and then those layers of protection are, are generally preventative barriers. We could also think then on the other side of what we describe as the bow tie, but it could just be your Swiss cheese model, about the mitigations. So what, what happens if the bridge does collapse? You know, where's your emergency response? Um, could you make the bridge collapse in a, in a non-catastrophic manner, yeah. um, and then think about those mitigation barriers, and that's that's another lens and development of the Swiss cheese model, which starts to to merge that boundary. You can still see it as a Swiss cheese, but but that's where the bow tie comes from. That you have a multitude of of threats on one side that could all cause that top event and the catastrophic incident, and then the other side of the the top event, the catastrophic incident, you you have a range of of outcomes that you might prevent. So. Sometimes we we break that up into, you know, what would be the financial implications and, and how might you mitigate the financial ones. There might be a, a whole group of personal injury, um, death or, or or worse or to people. And, and what would you do there? So you're talking emergency response plans, you're talking medical facilities and, and those things. So that's the development of the, 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 the bow tie. You can start to get even more sophisticated with the bow tie. You can start thinking, for example, on on the painting example I had, is that you know your barrier is the painting system, and um, what could cause that in itself to degrade? So it might be if it's exposed to abrasion, so vehicles may be rubbing past it. What would you do about that? Well, actually, you might want to put very weak barrier just lines on the on the ground that people don't bump into it or you might actually put a physical barrier in front of this critical piece of infrastructure that that it doesn't get uh, abraded on the paper and and we would start to call those degradation barriers and degradation controls so you sort of get 
legs coming down from each of these these barriers, which can end up in very complex. Um, there there are several pieces of software out there that people people use. Most of them are very intuitive to use. You know, after an hour, you you can start building this model and you can start expanding these legs and and what's useful there is if you want to maintain that rigor, as I've said before, that each barrier is, is fully independent, fully functional and auditable, people will throw things out that they think are, are, are your layers of protection or another slice of cheese, but, but in fact they might be a degradation control or they might be a degradation mechanism to one of your primary lines of defense. So it helps the, the thought process that, that people have, it's out there, people know they're doing something and it's helping prevent that top event, but it, it's not quite one of those key slices of cheese. So it, it helps people put stuff on, on the board that they want to. That's really useful. Peter? I think another interesting area, and I'd quite like to get Martin's take on this, is um, the holes in the, in, the, in the layers of cheese, if you like. And one of the things we looked at was blind spots. You know, what are areas that people could easily miss. This is back, if you like, to our theme of in plain sight, where the risks are, are, are out there um, staring us in the face. What are the blind spots? What are the areas that we 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 perhaps, through um, not really complacency, but maybe through repetition or uh, having not looked at it you know, thoroughly enough, what are the blind spots where risks could actually penetrate um, the lines of defence? And I think I, I, I find that quite an interesting area to think about what are the things that people could easily miss. Does that come into your thinking, Martin? I, I think it does. And that, how would you tackle that? I, I think that's back to you know, having the right people in the room and, and asking those questions. You know, just probing a little, little greater. You know, an investigation technique is the five whys. Why did that happen? Why did that happen? And then why did that? Happen? And keep keep pushing down about have we really thought this through in in depth? And the other is is stepping back and and thinking, you know, what have we missed? Is there somebody we can talk to? Is it is it the, uh, you know, the inspection engineer that's that's got many many years about? You know, what what do you think of what what have you seen that we haven't got on this? this thing uh, conversely the other end of the spectrum you know your young graduate coming in who hasn't seen this before with a fresh pair of eyes um some with with more years of experience are a bit ingrained perhaps in our thinking and and sometimes that's great to have that fresh pair of eyes to say well but just give them a little bit of space within that as well to they might bounce an idea off that might initially seem a bit odd but Again, with them, develop the five whys and, and probe a bit deeper, and and you might well uncover something that that we hadn't thought of. And I guess reflecting as well, you know, sometimes do the model, and certainly on the we run risk review meetings on our major accident hazards on a, on a frequent basis, and it takes a long time to if you want to do this rigor, rigorously um, and go through all these different threat legs and and these different mechanisms. It takes a while, so we tend to have monthly meetings would go through anything new that's happened, any new information. And then we have a rotation that we have a deep dive into 
some of these threat legs and some of these things. So one month we'll pick some one area, we'll maybe get some more specialists in that area and the next month we'll pick another subject. And that again, engages the bigger brain of an organization. I think that's that's great. And I, and I think that idea of just getting, you know, all those people with different experiences in, in around the table to really kind of, yeah, to, to look back and take a step back and look at those processes which many of us take for granted because we've we've done them that way for, for years and years and years. I think that's a, that's a really, really good point to bring out. So, so thank, thank you, Martin. Um, and so, so what would be fantastic would be and we will do this in the knowledge pack, which accompanies um, this this podcast. But it's to it's just kind of to be able to share with people who've been who've been listening to this um, where to where to go if they would like to put this into practice, if they'd like to sort of try out uh, the Swiss cheese model, the bow tie model. Um, I mean, I mean, Martin, I guess is it as you mentioned there, there are there's software available to help you. Um, is there um you know is there a go to place that you always go to to sort of to point people if they want to find out more or uh, is it a case of Googling and finding the one you like your best yourself? Uh, there is a tremendous amount. Oh, of course, Googling. Um, the uh, the CCPS Energy Institute book. Um, it is available if you're a member of the Energy Institute to online. You can uh, browse that or, or you can actually buy the, the hard book. That's a useful useful source. I, I think the beauty of the Swiss cheese model, it, it, it's very simple. You, you don't you know, have a quick look at the article. You, you've heard us here on this podcast. There'll be some more materials that we'll, we'll put on the website. And, and that's enough to kick you off and just get out there and, and start doing it. I, I think there's, there's nothing like uh, actually actually doing it and learning learning from experience with a bit of support. Great. Fantastic. Well, that's what uh, we, shall, we shall encourage people to do. Um, well, look, thank you very much, Martin, for coming and sharing your, your knowledge and expertise on, on, on risk management with us. And, and thank you, Peter, for, for joining us to... Uh, Basically, you know, tell us tell us how we got to where we are today. Um, I think it's really encouraging that we are now kind of rolling out our uh, recommended CPD topics as recommended in, in, in plain sight. And so it's, it's only appropriate that understanding Swiss cheese is, is one of those topics. So thank you, um, Peter. Uh, you're very welcome. The only thing I'd add would be read in plain sight. I think um, it's an easy read and uh, I hope. It brings the Swiss cheese model alive and uh, shows its relevance to uh, to infrastructure. Absolutely. And clearly a link to In Plain Sight will be in the knowledge pack. And I would echo Peter's call. Everyone should go read it. It is an easy read. Um, so thank you, Peter. And uh, thank you, Martin. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. To all those listening, I hope you have found this um, informative and interesting. And we... we back with another podcast soon. Thank you.